Lockdown Diaries with Jack Kirby Lowe, episode 33. Good evening, uh, I hope everyone is well. I'm recording this uh, on the 18th of June, um, which is the evening after uh, I've recorded a conversation with my good friend Nils. Um, so Nils lives in uh, Sweden, and as you may be aware, uh, they've had a similarly um, unusual approach to the coronavirus lockdown as as the UK has in some ways similar in some ways very different um, but I thought it would be good to have a chat with him about what life is like under lockdown in Sweden so that's what you're about to listen to um, and I hope you enjoy it. Hi girls how's it going? It's going all right thank you what about you? Uh, yeah I'm feeling positive I'm feeling good and I'm very glad to be speaking with you um so uh so you're based in sweden um uh and i guess i guess many people will be aware that sort of sweden's approach to the coronavirus pandemic and lockdown or not so much lockdown has been quite different from a lot of other european countries i know the uk's approach has been quite different too and then sweden's different again so i guess It'd just be interesting to hear kind of like, I don't know, what's the, the basic sort of in a nutshell response that Sweden has had to coronavirus? Well, it boils down to a few sentences, I guess, which are, if you are ill, stay at home, wash your hands often. And if you're elderly, also stay at home uh, and just help protect one who's vulnerable. That's about it. So it's yeah. very, very vague um, and has been sort of the uh, the source of much discussion and interpretation within the country. Um, but also from the start, I think most people actually got behind the sort of the authority, like our public health authority, has been very instrumental in the whole thing, whereas government have taken a sort of back back seat. That's interesting. What what what's sort of been the difference between there two? The well, distinction between those two. Well, it's basically been that the experts have been allowed to sort of uh, steer the course, and then the government has acted accordingly, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So since you're probably aware that we don't have don't have and haven't really had a proper lockdown like we've been allowed to leave the house always yeah uh, unless you're ill obviously then you are supposed to stay at home what's interesting i find is that it it can be difficult to interpret the uh, the fact that they say we recommend that you stay at home etc mm -hmm. Is, which is, in fact, the strongest language they're kind of allowed to use as an authority. They're allowed mm -hmm. to say, when they say the recommendation is that everyone is to stay two metres apart, then they're basically saying you have to stay two metres apart or you're not taking your responsibility. And they have uh, advised on that sort of distancing as well? Yes, or is that, yeah. yes, that's part of it as well. I forgot that one in my little roundup. Stay far enough apart is basically the advice. Sometimes it says two meters, sometimes it says an arm's length, which is obviously substantially less than two meters. Yeah. Um, 
basically well, you you just see like keep the distance is sort of written everywhere yeah um but you know bars and restaurants and stuff have pretty much stayed open throughout um shops too so that's that's interesting because well it's just this week that um shops certainly not not bars and restaurants yet but um so shops have reopened this week in in our in the uk um so i guess ha have the shops sort of been enforcing their own social distancing within within those places in sweden or yeah, i mean it's just been normal can. yeah um some places have done what they can to mark a distance to stay apart yeah. from each other in the line and I don't know. Um, some places just have a sign that say, please keep your distance to each other. So it sort of varies quite a lot. Yeah. So um, and I, I know you've been working at home, but again, people have generally been, if you're working, you just go to work as normal or have a lot of it's businesses been, and places advise working from home or? It's been the, it's been part of the sort of public advice has been if you can do your job from home, please consider doing so. Yeah. Uh, so in my group of friends, it's very mixed. Like most, a lot of people I know have jobs where they can work from home. So most of them have. And then some people have jobs where they should be able to work from home, but maybe their company hasn't got them laptops, so they have to work in the office or mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. And then again, obviously like everywhere else, some people have jobs where they can't work from home and so they haven't they've come to their jobs yeah as nurses as job assistants etc so um, i guess i guess we could maybe talk about your your personal opinions in a moment but like what what sort of the general like response been of the populace to i don't know this sort of very slightly ha well more hands-off more recommendation-y based response to, to the virus? Oh, I think it's been very mixed, as you'd expect. Um, it's, it is part of our culture to sort of have a strong sort of trust of the individual to take their mm -hmm. responsibility. Um, but obviously there's been quite a few people who have called for a total lockdown. Yeah. Um, I mean, I imagine especially people who were prepared for that, or mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but or just you know it's been various opinions but there's not been that much debate politically everyone sort of got behind government and the public health authority or authorities um at the start of the crisis anyway yeah um it's also i don't know it's um but i mean you can see sort of dissent starting to i don't know take shape now yeah. There's been a few of the political leaders of other parties saying various things, such as the government has let old people die in cold blood, and it's a massacre of the <laughs> of the people, uh, and stuff like that. Very is that is that borne out in statistics and things? Has um, well, I'm not a numbers guy, but. It seems like our numbers aren't exactly good, especially compared to countries around us. So Norway, Denmark, Finland, who mm -hmm. all shut down. Uh, I mean, Germany, and I, I suppose Poland probably did too. Um, so on. Um, 
but those three first ones, especially the other Nordic countries, have been pretty critical of us mm. since their numbers are much lower and sort of spread is still going on here, whereas it's even though the, it is decreasing, uh, there's still like around 50 people a day that die. So mm -hmm. it's quite a bad scene. I mean, we're 10 million people and there's about 5,000 dead by now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it seems bad. But I haven't read up that much on numbers. Yeah. Um, since... I just couldn't stand it, pretty much, on a personal level. I, um, I can completely sympathise with that. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, even like in, in my perspective, like, I don't know, when it was new or whatever, sort of watching graphs and, and listening to the figures and things was something I paid quite a lot of attention to, but sort of as it goes on, it's just like, I, I don't really want to know. It's sort of, because it's cumulative, isn't it? It's like, it's not just... You know, it, it, yeah. it, it, well, it literally builds up, but it's, it's, it is a bit too much to sort of think about every single day. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's where a lot of people are at. I think a lot of people, especially since the weather's so nice now as well, mm. and summer holidays are coming up, etc. People are just sort of, some people seem to be sort of just, eh, had enough of this. I'm just not going to even pretend to care. Uh, yeah, you know, some people you, you are mentioned... very upset that we, you know, there's no guidance on masks, for example. Yeah. Uh, well, the only guidance is that you can't trust the security of a mask, so it's, we won't give you any recommendation to wear one, because they're afraid that people will then trust the masks too much to keep them safe and not take other precautions. Yeah, um, yeah. Which we're pretty much alone to be recommending in the world, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you mentioned, sorry, uh, just a, a couple of minutes ago there about sort of a, a cultural sort of trust in, in individuals to be responsible. Um, yeah. If, so, so sort of thinking about, I don't know, um, cultural beliefs or, or attitudes, do you think if a lockdown had been imposed that people would have respected that or, or not? Or is that too... I, I mean, speculate on. I think people would have, uh, uh, at large, like by and large, people would have respected it. I think. Yeah. But uh, obviously, some people wouldn't have, and maybe some people wouldn't even have been fully aware that it was going on, like because there's obviously a. You have to get information out when it's in this kind of situation, and I know that there was a lot of trouble. I. Like, I can't, you know, I can't give you sources on anything, but I heard a lot of talk at the start of the epidemic in Sweden uh, that um, there was a, an especially high incidence in areas where, for example, there's a high concentration of, of immigrants from various countries where maybe a lot of people don't have a full graph of Swedish and you need to get mm. information out in a number of languages. And maybe that hadn't come out properly. And so a lot of poor, disadvantaged people were also hit especially hard by the epidemic since we didn't have... I imagine a full lockdown would have been more noticeable because you suddenly the streets are completely empty yeah. and the police are telling you to go back inside. You probably would notice, whereas, I don't know, 
the way it's been now maybe has been more troublesome since no one really knows fully what to do except wash your hands stay mm. apart from people don't yeah. see the elderly people yeah i don't know it's um yeah that's that's so i hadn't sort of even thought about like you know the messaging and, and is that accessible to people who maybe don't have the language that's not i mean i'm not i don't think i've read anything about that over here so yeah that is obviously a kind of a concern isn't it that's how do you really thought about that i mean i imagine they did get it up and running i haven't heard much about it since but i know at mm. the start since everything changed so rapidly there was a bit of a lag i think getting it out to communities where maybe the grass with swedish wasn't sort of mm. complete i don't know but i mean that might be a very sort of that's obviously a very reductive way of talking about it because there's a lot of other factors such sure. as i mean sure. i think a much stronger factor than getting information out is people in in air like economically and well i guess socio-economically disadvantaged areas um is the fact that there's tons of people who have to live on a very small uh in a very small space which means mm -hmm. that you have to be close to people and yes that is a, obviously a very strong vector for spreading any disease in case one person picks it up and brings it home yeah very much so now i've i've that that i have read about in in the uk that yeah the disproportionately the the lower economic income you have sorry <laughs> the lower economic <laughs> income <laughs> It disproportionately well, affects poor people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that you know, and obviously living conditions come into that as well. Um, so I guess, like, in terms of your personal actions and response, and of your friends and family, like, has that differed wildly, or because I know you're, I don't know, you you take things more seriously and more cautiously mm. than. A lot of people do. I know that. Uh, I just, yeah. Has your, what's that been like amongst your sort of circle of people you know? Could I circle back to that in a second? Just be a rude interviewee and say something yeah. else I was thinking about. Yeah, go ahead. Um, something I wanted I to mention it. about just sort of what happened here is that with the sort of trusting authorities, is that the public health authorities started having a daily press conference, much like I've seen. Yeah. Your authorities and government having. Um, where except there were as far as i'm aware there were no politicians in these press conferences it was just uh the authorities like the i don't know i don't know what the equivalents are Chief medical health, officer like, or whatever yeah our state epidemi epidemiologist has been very much sort of the face of the whole thing okay um uh, and there's even people who've tattooed him on them because he was such a sort of seen as such a hero at the start of everything whereas now he's getting a lot of criticism and is even oh. saying that he's he thinks we could have probably done more like probably been a bit more severe so people are regretting their tattoos are they uh, yeah i guess i don't know it was <laughs> it was very interesting because he was very much a sort of pop idol at the start of everything i don't i think slightly sort of unwanted attention in that way but yeah uh, and then there was like i think the former state epidemiologist who was just sort of swinging wildly in uh various interviews and stuff he was just like 
saying some very brash brash stuff like by summer everyone will be immune and all kinds of sort of stuff and then the next week he will say something else it's just very sort of <laughs> pointing with his whole hand but really just sort of not sure he was always making sense um but yeah this dynamic duo was pretty interesting um <laughs> Especially the guy who managed to get people to tattoo his face on them. But uh, I guess that happens when everyone's seen on TV every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, that aside, um, your question was about my personal reaction and the re reactions of people around me. Yeah, how, how has that been? I mean, I think you could sort of draw a curve of how reactions were, and it was quite a strong spike around mid-March when cases were starting to really show up here. Um, my work obviously shut down, or not shut down, but I sent us all home on the 12th of March. Mm -hmm. uh, and I personally got very jittery pretty quickly because I was reading a lot of stuff on social media and a lot of stuff in the news, but especially on social media from other countries, especially Italy, yeah. where it was sort of all hell was breaking loose. Yeah. And I pretty quickly got very worried about being unknowingly spreading the virus to older people in my vicinity, such as my grandma, uh, my dad, and so on. Uh, my dad is just young enough not to be in the risk group of 70 plus um, but I still felt worried and so a lot of this has been for me personally I was very worried at the start and sort of becoming less worried as it goes along with small spikes whenever there's bad news uh, or whenever I hear someone coughing too close to me yeah uh, that I, I mean, for me, I've set sort of started to sort of find boundaries that I'm okay with. I don't spend an inordinate amount of time inside with other people, uh, mm -hmm. especially not like in places where they have to sort of exert themselves, such as singing or talking loudly or mm -hmm. going to the gym. Um, so basically, life has changed a lot, become a lot more. Like everywhere else, it's become a lot more sort of, I don't know, isolated, except you know, we have gotten to see people all the time if we wanted to. So mm. for, for me, it means I take a lot of walks and spend a lot of time outside with other people uh, at as good a distance as I can keep. Yeah. Uh, friends of mine have reacted, like uh, most people obviously have reacted with fear and sort of not knowing what to do. Some people seemed to react in the way that they decided to just since they could they just live as much as normal as they could so i have friends who would go sit in bars and just hang out as they always would yeah uh, because i think for them the loss like the loss of that social that kind of social life would mean that they would that would be a bigger loss than them themselves falling ill, I think, would be the reasoning. I don't know. We haven't talked too much about it. Because um, you don't want to make anyone feel bad, really, even though maybe this is a time when you can make people feel bad and not feel bad about it yourself. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is a funny one. Like, you know, I, I think amongst people, 
I know uh, and stuff. I know there's there's some people that view there's varying degrees to how seriously people interpret the restrictions and things. And I think maybe maybe less so with people I actually know personally, but it does feel like I don't know. I don't know if the government here is incompetent or it's sort of planned, but like the sort of loosening of restrictions it started out being quite specific about what you could and couldn't do. And they have lessened things and reduced it and increased the amount of freedom we've got to do things. But it feels like it's inconsistent and it feels like it's deliberate. It's either deliberately a bit inconsistent or it is just sort of making it up as a go. Because we're, as we say, we're allowing people to go in shops and things, but we're only just now enforcing people to wear masks on public transport it sort of feels like it's you're loosening in one place and uh increasing the strictures in another so it feels a bit weird really and i i can't really blame anyone for sort of responding however they think is best given that the parameters are so loose i guess well yeah i mean you're basically where we've been at the whole time where it's mm-hmm. sort of no one really knows exactly what to do since there's no exact I mean, you've taken away the sort of exactness of you're allowed one hour out of the house every day to yeah, exercise yeah. or whatever it was. Uh, and like, you're allowed to go to the shops, but only like if you have to, <laughs> uh, et cetera. Whereas yeah. You know, it's constantly been like, I mean, do limit it if you, if you can, but I mean, I know lots of people who would still just go shopping every day as they would before. And has um, schools were running as normal? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a big one, isn't it? We kept the schools for, I think, I can't remember if it's under 12s or under 15s or something. Or some, something like that. Um, I think it was up till age 15, they kept schools running so that, you know, especially people in healthcare and such could still go to their jobs without having to yeah. take care of their kids instead of finding a way to take care of their kids. Whereas then high schools and universities and stuff all did distance learning instead. Okay. Um, and so that's been quite interesting to follow, um, especially since now in spring when people graduate, there's usually a lot of sort of, sort of, well, parties and sort of celebrations in the streets. They usually get on like, they usually rent like a, a lorry and all get on top of the lorry and ride around town screaming and shouting nice. and getting drunk and playing loud music at everyone. Whereas really? now everyone's been driving around in their private cars doing the same thing, <laughs> which has been kind of fun, uh, and a lot of a lot more shooting fireworks than usual, I think. Uh, okay. So every day I'm sat at work in my flat and I'm just hearing fireworks and sort of cars honking uh, <laughs> throughout the day. Uh, well, although now that's subsided after two weeks of inferno, um, <laughs> I'm glad they find a way to celebrate. Uh, finishing school is um, um uh i presume if they finish around now the sort of school terms are same as so does it start in september as well yeah i think something like that usually yeah. end of august so well presumably are they is everyone back at that point or are they still going to keep the older kids out or i'm not sure i think a lot of the universities said that they were going to keep doing distance learning i imagine yeah. high schools will go back but i'm not sure Mm. Uh, I 
kind of hope they will because I think a lot of kids aren't doing that well. I mean, some kids are doing better being at home, I think, but a lot of kids probably need the stricture of being in school. Yeah. Um, but what well, do I know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's something my sister has been very, um, fairly forthright about. I mean, she works, well, A, in an area um, of some deprivation, but also she works specifically with a group, her group of kids are, uh, well, she works with the less well-behaved children and there is a strong correlation between them also being from uh, less well-off backgrounds and things. And she's been sort of quite um, critical. I don't know if that's the right word, but just the fact that the most vulnerable children weren't allowed to come to school, you know, she would argue, well, they're a lot safer in school where they're going to get some hot dinner and people looking after them properly or not not to criticize the parents because there's obviously a, a multitude of different reasons about that but she would just feel more comfortable that they do have x amount of hours of protection and care and stuff rather than just sort of being left to well you know, in many cases their own devices while schools were closed so it's yeah, I, I do think that I understand that there is a case to be made for, you know, yeah. school remaining open as well. Um, I guess, you know, uh, also massively, massively importantly, has has the has sport or, uh, taken any restrictions during the pandemic in Sweden? Well, I mean, yes, that's something where we actually did do what everyone else did. And we did stop. Well, we stopped sport for all the adults, I think, like mm. as in professional sport was sort of stopped mm. uh, which was so our football season goes um since obviously that's the only sport uh worth talking about that that season <laughs> runs from obviously. spring to autumn um so that was just about to sort of start when we oh, decided okay. that it wouldn't and so that actually started like i think two days ago now oh okay uh my town Malmo had their first home game yesterday, uh, which is the, probably the first time in many many years that you can hear the seagulls uh, while the game is being played. Yeah. Um, so behind closed doors, then no. Yeah, behind closed doors, um, it's as surreal as anywhere else, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so professional sports have sort of started back up, but it's only really football that's in season now. Whereas sports for kids, I think they kept doing like they didn't see a reason to stop that i guess i don't know mm -hmm. um i don't know i think a lot of the criticism that is sort of starting to come out now is that you know couldn't you just you know ad that they should just admit that they were going for this sort of idea of herd immunity so uh, i was going to ask that is that is that a term that was thrown around or is it just what people have interpreted the actions as or it, it has been thrown around. It was thrown around at the start, around the same time that the UK was vaguely throwing it around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when you guys stopped and went right, completely right. the other way, um, that we sort of kept our course of sort of slowly sort of putting in more restrictions. I mean, like how many people get to gather in one place and so on. Um, but I think they stopped mentioning the word at mm. least I didn't see much of it, although, I mean, I guess I did see some of it in the media still, like, guesses that maybe Stockholm will have 
herd immunity by autumn because it's been so bad up there. Really? Yeah, that's where it's been very much worst. Down here, it's not been that bad, even though we've obviously had deaths too. Yeah. Stockholm's been pretty badly hit. Um, mm -hmm. And not least in care homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you look at circling back to where I was quite a long time ago with the neighboring countries and the sort of yep. idea yep. of how they shut down, speaking of sort of public events and stuff like football and so on. Uh, a very Nordic thing to bring up, or well, Swedish, I guess, in a way, would be the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Since we have our sort of, we have our sort of qualification rounds, sort of heading up to the main event. Um, the Danish one, um, sometime around the start of March, was uh, done behind closed doors, whereas the sort of Swedish finals were done like a repetition round, and the actual final were done to a full house of like twenty-seven thousand people. So, oh wow, around fifty thousand people <laughs> over two nights would have gone to oh, this event around the same that? time. Around the same time of the Danish one, where they'd sort of shut down everything, and we were just like, yeah, let's <laughs> let's have thousands of people in the same place. And oh, then God, shortly after so... that. Yeah. Stark. Like, just <laughs> it's very stark. The difference. It's and wow. I mean, if you look at the numbers, Denmark have about 600 dead, I think, whereas it's 5,000 here. Wow. So, I mean, Denmark's slightly smaller, but still. It's not an unfair comparison. No, I don't think so. I don't know. But we'll see. Uh, <laughs> the, the constant mantra from our authorities is that. Uh, once sort of enough time has passed, it'll sort of even out over all countries because <laughs> everyone has to reopen and then people will get sick again. Yeah. Uh, well, I uh, I read today that um, New Zealand, who have been case-free for several days, have got their first two new cases because of some British people that went there. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I don't it's know. Typical, isn't it? If, if, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, if it wasn't Brits, it would have been Swedes, I imagine. So. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. It's sort of reassuring in a way to know we're not the only country that's sort of, I don't know, chosen to go quite a different path. At least we're, we've got that in common. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've probably not like said like I feel like we we still had some restrictions i mean there was a travel restriction in place yeah that you couldn't travel like more than an hour and a half or two hours from your home okay and stuff like that whereas now it's free for all because they said people will travel in, in the summer whatever we say so if healthcare will be more prepared if we say it's okay to travel within the country okay uh, i don't know there i can't say if it's right or if it's wrong I think no. people will be pleased to be able to go to their summer houses and stuff. Yeah. Well, it's not our responsibility as general people with no scientific no. or political background to decide if it's right or wrong. I guess we just have to interpret and decide for ourselves. But, you know, I, I mean, whatever your government and my government have been saying and doing, like, the one thing I'm glad about is that I don't have to make these decisions because... Yes. Incredibly stressful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To say the least. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty much a person who will put my faith in what the experts say, like the epidemiologists who have been working like 
they've been to work with Ebola epidemics and stuff like that. Yeah, I imagine they have some idea of how infectious disease works, whereas I don't really, except I know yeah. to cough in people's faces. Well, absolutely. I, I think, again, well, I think that is a, a difference in that I think, again, at the start, I think broadly, um, the scientific advisors and the politicians were more or less, after a, a bit of a rocky start with the whole herd immunity thing, kind of working together and and following on from each other. And then, yeah, ever since, ever since blooming Dominic Cummings, it does feel like yeah. the scientific advice takes a backseat to what policy and what is politically expedient for the government to do well, or what they I feel mean, is. Speaking of herds and stuff, there it's sort of like the herd is protecting one of their own. Well, quite. The herd is the government. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, uh, apparently, like, the chief nurse isn't on the SAGE, the, which is the scientific guidance meetings anymore. Mm. Uh, a bunch of um, the scientists sort of wrote and compelled the government not to send some schools back and things like that. And it does just feel like a voice has been, if not lost, then is being a bit more ignored. So I, I do like the fact that, you know, it's your um, medical advisors and officers, I guess, leading the, the daily updates and things. I mean, that sounds yeah. sensible to me. It's been decreased to a bi-weekly update now. Yeah. But it's because they are seeing numbers decreasing excruciatingly yeah. slowly. Um, they don't feel the need to have a daily. Like we made, like, like you guys did, we built a field hospital that never needed using, really. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I think, I, but I think it, it was good that we could. It's just like yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know if the same thing happened here that I read happened over in Britain, where equipment needed elsewhere was taken there from places that needed it. Mm. But it's like I, it's good to see that a country that was very ill-prepared, because Sweden was one of the most ill-prepared countries for this whole thing, mm. at least managed to rustle up a lot of bids. Well, you mentioned about being ill-prepared. You told me a little while ago about PPE stores in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> they were done away with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a sort of preparedness storage facilities around the country and sort of in 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 the worst case like sort of in case of war or catastrophe and they were sort of rationalized away um in favor of sort of since nothing will ever go wrong with borders within the eu we can just get everything delivered just on time instead sure when it's needed sorry uh, which obviously became a problem as soon as everyone started shutting their borders and keeping their protective equipment for themselves. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's it's all a bit nuts, really. Did you say they literally set fire to a bunch of stuff? I don't know, I think I read something about that at some point, <laughs> that they like burned a bunch of face masks or something a number <laughs> of years ago, because they were like not needed, or if they were like, maybe I mean, maybe they were expired i don't know can they expire <laughs> i mean they probably have a recommended um life 
the time on them. But I mean, you know, practically, I, I'm not sure that that would make too much difference. But yeah, no. that was so strange. But yeah, um, yeah. Again, like we, there, I think they managed to sort of get everything up and running again and get stuff in. I mean, that was one of the things they reported on daily, like the, on like how they were doing with getting PPE in. Mm. I think one of the places where there should have been better preparation for it was in care homes and in the sort of, I don't know what you call it, like the service where nurses and uh, carers go to people's houses. and. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, We just call it like the home service. I was going to ask about, um, has there been any sort of discussion about um, tracking and tracing or apps or anything like that? There is um, a sort of voluntary app um, Mm -hmm. that's actually developed by my old university, Lund University. Oh. Well, it's not developed by them, but it's partly developed or run by them, I think, uh, in in collaboration with King's College London Mm -hmm. uh, and some entity that I guess makes the app, I don't know. Called Zoe, uh, that, that I have on my phone, where you yourself say every day if you have any symptoms and if you've done any COVID nineteen tests, mm-hmm. and then if you have symptoms, there's a laundry list of symptoms to go through. Oh, yeah, but I haven't had any, so I haven't actually gone through the list. Just wanted oh. to look at it once. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had symptoms, but I've known that they're allergies, so I haven't put them in. Yeah. Um, but um yeah um that sounded incredibly irresponsible but i figure having been allergic since i was six i know which is which well i think you yes you you know your body and you know if you're responding to an allergy or if you're experiencing something new so yeah Yeah, i imagine when you know when the sneezing and the and the hurty eyes and the sore throat go away with me washing my face that usually is a yeah, I would, I would suggest that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I've, I, I mean, there's that app, but I mean, I think there's that only gives a sort of. There's, there was a plan for a, like a, a proper like tracking app, I think, or something, but they actually shut that down during development because oh, really? of privacy concerns. Right. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask as well, um, this isn't about coronavirus, and apologies, I've not really uh, prepped or prompted you about this, but it occurred to me it might be pertinent to ask, but um, I wondered if, uh, have the have the Black Lives Matter sort of protests been happening in Sweden, or if there's been any sort of public discussion around, around that at the moment, just for a further mm-hmm. international perspective? Yes, I mean, I was going to bring this up myself, um, because it it's, it, it does, I mean, it is obviously extremely important and, um, what's the word, current. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's obviously had an effect here as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's been protests, at least in the major, I mean, our, our cities aren't exactly big, but in the three major cities or towns, Gothenburg, mm-hmm. Malmö and Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been protests, a few in each, 
especially in Stockholm, I guess, because there's where the U.S. embassy is. And, mm-hmm. um, there's, I think, the protests in, I mean, several of the protests have had uh, have been they've sought and been given permission from the police. Yeah, uh, and the permission then is for fifty people to attend because fifty people oh, right. is, okay. is and has been the max amount of people that get to congregate in Sweden. That's been our lowest number, and still is. Yeah. Well, it's it's the highest number that get to congregate, but it's the lowest number we've got. Like we've never had a lower limit. So, whereas the Danish authorities had like ten, I think. Mm. Uh, but anyway. There's been protests, and there's obviously been more than 50 people gone to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, is the, of people. is the 50 people rule, is that a, a lockdown coronavirus rule? Or, yes. Like, cool. Sorry. Just, Sorry, yeah, that just, wasn't clear. Just uh, for clarity. It, yeah. it is a coronavirus rule, and that's why they've given permission for 50 people to attend protests. Mm. And obviously, like, if you look at the Facebook uh, events for them, there's thousands of people who say they've gone, yeah. and thousands of people do show up, or at least hundreds yeah uh, and so in stockholm i know that they the police moved to uh break it up because obviously people weren't able to socially distance uh enough and i think there were some scuffles but not like any massive riots and i haven't i haven't seen a lot of sort of fallout from the stockholm protests really Maybe I follow the wrong people. I don't know. I follow both cops and and people who are very much the opposite of cops. I mean, not criminals, just like far left <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. to get a, try and get a wide perspective. But I haven't seen a lot on the Stockholm protests in Gothenburg. There were riots. Um, I think I actually think they weren't so much based on the police response as in people just being fed up with st- stuff in general. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the police might have not helped, but sure. I, d- I did see footage of people, I mean, of police kneeling, which I know they've done elsewhere and then shot people, but our police haven't shot anyone. Um, um, but there was there was a fair amount of unrest in Gothenburg during that protest um, mm-hmm. or after the protest. But I think that I also think I heard people, you know, trying to stop other people from causing a ruckus. Um, there was a lot. I mean, there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of hatred towards police here as well. Mm. Uh, and I don't want to really get into the discussion of sort of what's um, what people get to be angry about or not, because I'm yeah. I see the police drive by. That's about what I do, and I can be fine with that because I, I'm being a, a, a white male. I am usually very much fine. They usually just ask me if I've seen whoever they're looking for, if anything. Right. Uh, so you know, I'm not. I don't get stopped for no reason, and so on. Mm. I mean, there's plenty of people who get stopped for a reason, but you know, uh, that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Protests here in Malmö have gone without any trouble, really. Uh, one was down by the beach in a very sort of wide open area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the police sort of gently broke that up just by telling people to go home. Yeah. And I think people quite peacefully did. Um, I think they sort of 
left the area and then went on a bit of a march through town, but there was no, as far as I'm aware, there was no fighting. Okay. And then the second protest went, was pretty quick. I was going to go to it because it was just a few blocks away, but then mm. I got stuck at work and couldn't actually leave. And it was over in about half an hour. Oh, okay. Uh, but that was, they painted X's on the ground where people could stand and they handed out masks and it was very sort of responsible corona wise. It does sound very responsible. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's flags hanging out from some people's windows that say Black Lives Matter. Um, there's not a huge amount of discussion about it, really, as far as I've seen. Yeah. On the news. Um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of right wing people here have been extremely upset, obviously, because yeah, they always are, especially of course. especially when <laughs> Zara Larson, the singer, tweeted a cab. There was a lot, lot of upset. <laughs> Oh, I didn't uh, know that she was quite so, uh, I don't know, forthright in her opinions as that. She is very forthright, forthright in her opinions. Oh, good for her. Yeah, I think good for her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so to sum up, uh, it's it's a thing here, but um, sort of in solidarity. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I mean, there is a need here as well to take these issues seriously. Can I ask, um, so, I mean, I'm doing my bit at the moment to try and educate myself more about um, the UK's colonial history and stuff like that uh, with what I'm reading and listening to. Um, but yeah, I have, I, whilst I know a little bit about the UK, I don't know anything as, a, you know, as, in terms of Sweden's history. Um, are there, is there the same sort of debate around statues and things like that is that an issue is that an issue that you've got over there with people and history and how that's acknowledged and recognized and stuff it is funny that you should mention that because i heard something about that on the radio today when i was out for a drive yeah um do you know who linnaeus is no carl linnaeus well, he's the guy who came up, basically came up with the idea of how to systematize uh, plants. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, so, and he did sort of put a lot of plants into his system. Uh, being the kind of systematic nature of sort of natural scientist that he was, mm -hmm. he also categorized people. Obviously, this was the 1700s. Um, so. He was obviously, well, not obviously, but kind of obviously a racist. Yeah. Um, and he divided people into, you know, red, white, brown, yellow, and such. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously he was a racist. And uh, I, I've read some stuff about how he behaved pretty badly when he was up looking at flowers in the north of Sweden towards the indigenous population. There was mm -hmm. a story of him stealing a cheese, I remember reading about um, Batman, <laughs> but also, you know, like very much a par for the course of the Times man, Yeah, uh, which yeah. is obviously part of the sort of discussion. Um, but yeah, so there is discussion about whether his statues should be up uh, and probably other people's statues too, but I haven't actually followed that. Um, there are probably questionable people. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's kings and stuff. Should they be up? There's a, you know, they're yeah. pretty violent. Um, someone suggested changing the 
Charles the Twelfth statue for Greta Thunberg. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Charles the Twelfth was a very sort of war warring king who was killed in battle against the Norwegians uh, after having had some seriously serious campaigns against the Russians. Uh, busy boy. Busy, busy boy. <laughs> um, so. People have suggested that they take down his statue as well, especially since he's always been a sort of fascist favourite. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, in the 1700s, eh? Lots of lovely people. Yeah, well, um, I was reading that um, uh, How to Argue for Racist book, and uh, yeah, so that was told from a... Uh, written by a geneticist, and he was reflecting on at the start of that sort of discipline of science, just how many people that sort of uh, laid the groundwork for what is a really important field of science today, but just how many of them held very, very racist views. And I mean, you don't have to go very far back, do you? Uh, no, not at all. Swedish dental care was sort of, uh, came out of an experiment that they did in Lund again, uh, on um, what they at the time would have referred to as feeble-minded people mm. who uh, were basically fed tons of sweets and forced not to brush their teeth and then they could see the effects that the sweets had on their teeth mm. uh, and sort of prove that that you know a very sugary diet uh, would lead to teeth rotting and if you did these sort of took various precautions then Dent, dental health would improve. Mm. So, yeah, sorry, I kind of interrupted you there. No, um, I mean, that was, I mean, horrible, but interesting. Um, I guess, well, what he was just talking about how, you know, the fact that these guys were brilliant scientists, but also racists, one doesn't negate the other in either a positive or a negative way. You kind of, well, you, you absolutely condemn the racism, but you that doesn't sort of take away from the fact that you know, the science, well, either uh, uh, is relevant today or, or evolved into what is relevant today. But, you know, it's just sort of, I think he was talking about, you know, different um, study halls and things have, that were renamed after them haven't been. So it's sort of keeping what they've shared but not venerating them i think which yeah. i guess sort of feeds into a lot of this um i don't know it's it feels on on obviously it's a well quite literally a symbolic thing to sort of talk about but it does feel like and I, i'm all for sort of removing statues of slave owners and racists and things like that but i, I feel like an, on some level it sort of takes away from the debate of like what are the you know changes that need to be made systematically to improve things for ethnic minorities and, and black people in this country like taking down a statue is an important symbolic thing but it doesn't change police attitudes and things like that um but you know no, it oh. doesn't change political attitudes really either does it i mean it's not gonna put it's not gonna put fireproof cladding on a high rise <sighs> well quite quite um Nils, it's it's getting towards an hour, so I, I yeah. will wrap up. But um, uh, yeah, thank you for um, for chatting about that. It's it's really well, it, it's it's just nice to 
hear from you. And <laughs> B, yeah. it's good just to yeah. get, uh, you know, a, a more of an international perspective, I guess, on a, a well, on both Corona and and Black Lives Matter and things like that. It's, I guess, it's important to realise we don't live in a bubble. And as you say, like, you know, one country's response affects another country's ability to respond and and how they're going to do stuff as well. So it's yeah. nice to talk about it. <laughs> Sorry, I mean. And just adding one more example of how we've dealt with things differently around here is mm -hmm. uh, not very far from where I'm sitting. There's a music venue that's been open pretty much the whole time. Uh, they're just adjusted to all the recommendations every time. So they have like, yeah. I think, depending on the size of the band, they have about about a 40 people capacity. Oh, right. concert okay. Seated, yeah. two people at each table, two meters apart. <laughs> in a massive room that holds like 500 people or less. but yeah it's strange Atmosphere. thank you for, for for wanting to listen to me warble on about this i'm always happy to listen to you warble on <laughs> and i hope i hope um i mean it, it feels impossible to predict when or, or anything but i hope it isn't too long before we can see each other in person again because uh well i mean god knows when that'll be but <laughs> It will be nice and a relief when it when it comes around. Yeah, well, looking forward to that. Whichever year that is. <laughs> <laughs>